Welcome to the Marketplace Missionary Podcast. My name is Donnie Swanepoel. I'm here with my good friend Kai Jeans and our special guest, Bill Reed. Uh, Bill kind of shared his part one last week, and I'll let Kai kind of recap that for us, and then we'll jump back into Bill's story. Yeah, so part one um, that we posted last week, week before, um, was really Bill going through the college, through the high school, early childhood, early adulthood, and now he's in the workplace. But before we continue on that, in between shooting episodes, we've had this really good conversation about uh, comparing, um, like how men compare to other men and like how detrimental that can be and how God really intertwined us how he wanted. Like, you know, he, he designed us with his perfect image and his perfect plan in mind when he developed us all. And as Bill mentioned in part one, like he has a plan for each of our lives. So, I mean, we're just going to jump back into that conversation. We weren't recording, and it was just getting really good. So um, it, was, it was just a really raw conversation between the three of us and how, as, you know, some guys are, are the alpha males, and even those alpha males kind of compare themselves to each other. And Bill was just kind of sharing how that can really impact, one, how we view ourselves, but then also how it impacts our work. And so... Bill was just giving really good feedback on that, and we're like, we have to capture that because that's so raw, but also so needed for young men, honestly, men of all ages. So, Bill, if you just want to kind of recap what you shared with us because it was so insightful. Well, one of the things we find uh, in, in what I'm doing now in coaching young men is, uh, is this comparison issue, uh, and really it is not new. I, I suffered from the comparison issue as a kid because, as I said, I was I was one of those husky, husky. boys. <laughs> and, uh, and my word for twenty twenty three, husky. Husky <laughs> sounds it sounds manly, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but my best buddy was uh, the high school quarterback and and handsome and he had straight hair, which uh, back in that period of of time that was that was what you wanted to have and. And, uh, and and so uh, I, I did not measure up mm. to him. I was not uh, the, the guy that got to pick who was going to be on the, the pickup football game. I was the guy that was generally picked last. Uh, and so uh, being, being uh, comparing uh, our, ourselves to other, other, other guys, other kids really, uh, that started at a very young age, uh, and and that's something that really we hang on to as men, uh, sometimes all through our lives, uh, comparing on uh, physical attributes, grades, uh, cars, <laughs> just right. every, every everything that gives us in our mind identity that the world says this is is your identity. Um, can can go back to that comparison issue. One of the really important things for guys to understand is is really who they are and and how God made them. Uh, and the Bible is very clear on this. It, it says in Genesis two that uh, God formed the man. Now. He, he could have just spoken man into existence like he did light or water, or, but, but it says he formed him. And, and the word there is really the, the word for sculpting the man. 
and uh, you know we every every man's got biceps. Some are bigger than others, <laughs> but every man's got got a bicep. And, and and I like to say, look at that bicep. Think of how God put that muscle together, and not just that muscle, but every muscle in your body, because we identify uh, as men with with muscle. That's the physical attributes absolutely. of an athlete. That's kind of the masculine. Right. Definition almost in our culture today is yeah. the Tom Brady like dude is good looking, he's got good hair, he's got yeah. good body. I mean that's what yeah. most men compare themselves to. I, I always wanted to have a six pack. Uh, actually, I just had a one pack, <laughs> <laughs> which kind of hid the other six pack. But uh, but God formed us physically, but He also formed us intellectually. Yeah. We all don't have the same brain material to work with. Uh, some guys have tremendous memory uh, capability. I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm a synthesizer. If I can learn something, then I can apply it. Uh, but, but we have different intellectual capacity, different personalities, uh, different skill sets that we're good at. Uh, you, know, you do not want me changing the oil in your vehicle because <laughs> I'll screw it up. But, uh, but there, there are other things that I can do. And, and my point is... As, as men, we need to know really how God has put us together, uh, what he has created us for, because not only did he create us, but he had a plan for us, and, and the book says before he even created us. He's, he has a plan for us and has created us specifically for that plan, and that's so key in in what a man needs to understand. In fact, that that goes back to my mission statement. I've I've got two things that I'm focused on. I want every man that I work with to become all the man God created him to be, mm. and to do those things God created him to do. He didn't create all of us to do the same thing. Mm. He created us to do different things. Uh, and so that, that two-prong approach of, of God created you to be all the man. He wants you to be all the man he created you to be and to do those things he created you to do. And frankly, uh, most of us are, have never heard that. We're not taught that. Uh, and we end up comparing ourselves in every way uh, to, to other guys that we see. Yeah. For, for our audience, uh, we are going to provide a link on our social media platforms as well as on other links uh, to Bill's website. So if you guys want to know and learn more about Bill and his life and career coaching, please go click on that link, shoot Bill a message, and then you can get in contact with him. And so I know uh, later on, you know, within this episode, Bill's going to speak a little bit more about what does that look like and how he through his consult, uh, counseling business, kind of help young men in life, marriage, as well as in their career. And so uh, going back to just your time, your transition to Riceland. Mm -hmm. oh, wait a second. I do want to say one more yeah, thing. Like, Bill, on terms of navigation strategy, one, I didn't know that was your mission statement, but you've told me that a lot. Like, And I wish someone had told me that when I was a, a kid. Yeah. Like, I wish I'd have known you when you were a kid. I, I do too. <laughs> so I could have told you that. I do too. But I, I remember the first time you told me that. And like that was really impactful. So like 
from someone that didn't hear that until you told me, like, mm. when you told me, like, God has a plan for me and I need to do what God has planned for me, like, yeah. it, it really did, like, free me up to do a lot. Like, I know us three all do a bunch of things outside of, like, one job or one work site, but it's like, after hearing that, it's like, God has a plan for me and I'm here to do every bit of it. I feel like my... I guess work ethic, you'd say, almost has just skyrocketed since hearing that as well. Like it's like, oh, I'm I'm here to do something, and if if God's in control, like it's got to be something big too. So I'm um, just really thankful for you sharing that with me, and then like all the other guys you, you're sharing with, I think it's just great. Thanks, so, man. Just wanted to share that with you. It's li- it's liberating as well. I mean, there's a sense of it re- releases some stress and pressure to think that you have to live this perfect life or have this perfect job because that's just not realistic. So for me, hearing that, it's extremely liberating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not only is it important to understand how God has made us uh, so that we can do what he has planned for us, but it is just as important to know what we are not to do. Oh, that's good. And, and, And that does free us up really really takes out a lot of stress and anxiety uh like i said you don't you don't want me changing the oil in your car because uh, I'll, I'll screw that up I, i've got history there uh, so so to know what you're made for and what you're not made for mm. it's tremendously important okay so sounds like god made you in a sense to go work at riceland so what year did you join Riceland and then what was kind of the scope of Riceland and their operation in terms of uh, team members, kind of international presence, kind of what did that, the scope of it look yeah. like? Well, uh, it was 1979 and, um, and I, I, I had never been to Stuttgart before. Uh, I didn't know a whole lot about rice production, uh, but I was uh, invited down every Friday in August uh, so I interviewed four different days, four different Fridays, uh, and then in the middle of September, uh, accepted the job and, and started making the transition. At the time, Riceland uh, uh, is the largest rice milling and marketing uh, company in the world, headquartered in Arkansas. I had no idea about that. It's unbelievable. Uh, uh, sales were about a half half billion dollars. Uh, about 37, 3,800 employees uh, scattered all through eastern Arkansas. And, uh, and, and so uh, selling rice uh, across the U.S. and to more than 100 foreign destinations. Uh, That's not a mom-and-pop operation. It, it, was a, <laughs> it's, it, it was a big business, and I, I literally had no idea. Uh, how large it was, and and here I was again as a 26-year-old guy um, going into that with uh, with a tremendous opportunity. Uh, I, I was in the boardroom my first month mm-hmm. uh, as uh, head of communication, which uh, was not an officer, but uh, part of my job was to to help help the uh, executive team. Uh, communicate with the board which was comprised of all farmers mm. and and in the Rasslin's case it's a farmer owned cooperative um, so the farmers own the business they're the ones on the board uh, given direction to uh, management so it, it was a, 
it, it was a, a pretty steep curve for me. Um, and right off the bat, I'd, I'd been there less than two months when my boss called me in and said, the Ayatollah Khomeini has taken control of Iran. My response was, so? <laughs> I didn't have a clue. And he said, well, over half of our business goes to Iran, and the Ayatollah has ended imports of U.S. rice mm -hmm. and everything else from the U.S. So we lost overnight half of our, half of our business. Uh, my initial thought was, what have I done? I've, I've left the friendly confines of the University of Arkansas and joined a company that is now, uh, has now lost half of its business. Um, and it, it was hard. And, and frankly, I was the voice of the company. So I was doing TV interviews, radio interviews, newspaper interviews about the impact, the, the economic impact which I thought was interesting since I had been told I couldn't do economics, but uh, the economic impact of, uh, of losing the Iranian market for the U.S. rice industry. Uh, so it, it, it was a very much a stretching time uh, for me. It sounds like a lot of pressure and stress for a 26-year-old. So how did, how did you navigate through those daily pressures and then what advice would you give to other 26, 27-year-olds that deal with similar pressure in their work environment to kind of navigate through that? Well, uh, some of it's pretty simple. Uh, the, the first is uh, I, I had a, a, a view that everything I said to the news media had to be true. Um, I didn't have to tell everything I knew but everything I, everything I said had to be true. And, uh, and if you do that, uh, then you don't have to back up. You don't have to, to try to get things corrected. Um, and, uh, and really it was one of those things, sometimes being young is an advantage because you don't realize uh, how much pressure there is. You just, you know, suck it up and do it. Mm -hmm. um, because it, it was important to the company. Uh, and, and I was, you know, I've, I've always been kind of a, a loyal company type man, loyal to my employer. So uh, having to, to really understand that I was there, my job was very important to me, but, uh, but my faith was important to me too. And I, I had the, feeling that we would be taken care of. I, I, I believe clearly, Janice and I both did, that we were supposed to be there. In fact, uh, we, she, she had some anxiety about moving to, uh, to a town of 10,000 people because Little Rock was the smallest town she'd ever lived in. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'll never forget, we had a list of 18 uh, things that she was worried about. <laughs> uh, we made the list. We still got the list. In fact, a year after uh, she made that list, we'd been in, in Stuttgart a year at Riceland, and looking back on that list, every one of those issues had been marked off. That not, None of them were an issue anymore. Uh, so really, uh, knowing, knowing the role, knowing that 
what I did impacted others, like the farmers, like the employees of the company, uh, that really drove me to, to really just do my best, which uh, I think we're all supposed to do our best in whatever job we, we find ourselves. So did you, you know, you're a believer at this time and you have been a believer for several years now. Did you know when you joined Ryston what it looked like to actually live out your faith in the business world? I mean, did you have a mentor or like, kind of give us just insight into that because when I transitioned out of college into the business world, I didn't have a clue of what that looked like until... You know, I had a mentor and he kind of walked me through what it looks like, could look like. So just, if you can speak on that, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, I, I really did not have a mentor um, from, uh, f- from a, a, a spiritual perspective, putting, putting work and spiritual life together. Uh, I did have a, a mentor in... Uh, agriculture policy and economics, uh, and and that was essential. But um, as far as a, a spiritual mentor, I, I go back to uh, those two years we spent with W. O. Vaught teaching us four four Bible book studies every week, and and very very in depth, which which really um, solidified my. My understanding of, uh, of of God, my understanding of what it meant to be a believer, uh, and then um, allowed me to take stands on things that I would I would do and I would not do, because uh, I, I believe that, uh, for instance, uh, don't ask me where where the verse is, but but it says ill-gotten gain does not profit. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew that that was, that was burned into my brain. And, and there are always opportunities for ill-gotten gain in any, any work that we have. Um, but, but I know you don't do it. It is not going to serve you long term. Um, and so I, I knew what was right and what was wrong. I, I had a, a moral compass uh, going going into um, into that business, and I think that that moral compass, knowing um, the the God of the Bible, uh, he, uh, he 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 gives us rules to live by. Uh, those rules don't save us if we live by them, but we live by them because uh, we have, have faith in him. And, and it's those rules that, that really can keep a, a guy out of trouble uh, where, where the world doesn't follow those, that, those rules uh, anymore at all. One, one piece that I'd like you to speak on is that ill-gotten gain um, I know, especially like for me, like I've had opportunities as a young adult, like, you know, I don't have a wife or kids or anything, just still young in my experience. And it's like, there is a lot of easy, ill-gotten gain. I guess the question I'll, I'd like for the audience and myself to hear is like, where have you seen like just staying diligent, you know, getting 
uh, truth's the wrong word, but it is the right word at the same time. But like truthful gains um, compared to like ill-gotten gains or even turning down ill-gotten gains. Like where, like the long term, like I think it's really easy for a young guy to be like, oh, it's just going to last like, you know, a year and then I'll move on to something else, you know. But it's like where do you see like long term, like at your age now with your experience, like seeing guys that have stayed on the course of just, you know, turning down ill-gotten gain or and guys that have, you know, fell into that trap. Like can you speak a little bit more on that? Um, I, I would say that um, you, you have to understand that uh, that our work is important to God, and uh, and there again, that's something I I didn't quite understand uh, at the time, but I do more so now, in that. Uh, if, if you have uh, a legal <laughs> job, certainly not an illegal uh, area of, of work, but if you have an, uh, a legal job, it really fits in to God's economy. Now, I, I could understand that because uh, over half of the world's population eats rice every day if they have it. It is the staple food of the world. And here I am working at a rice company. It, it was easy for me to understand uh, how what I did fit into God's economy because God intends for people to eat, and that's what we did. That, that was pretty close. But, uh, but, but lots of us think we have a job in order to... Uh, give us uh, income, which is true, uh, but also identity, which uh, could be but not necessarily true in that I just identify so much with my job it, it becomes an idol. But uh, he, he really uh, puts us in a job as part of his economy, uh, just like what you do, Kai, at, at Amazon. You're moving products to people that they need to live. Um, that's an important part of God's economy. And understanding that what we do vocationally is really spiritual work also. Mm, that's so good. That helps us understand that, that work is important to God. Uh, it, it is what we're supposed to be doing it, it is spiritual um, and and it doesn't mean that you have to be working in a church building to do spiritual work there's no there's no two silos you have secular work and then sacred work no it's one silo and it's all integrated right because of God's economy we we tend to think that uh, we, we like you know as guys we like compartments and, and we we can put work in a compartment, and we can put spiritual life or church in a compartment, and we can put family in a compartment. Uh, and, and what I say is, no, there's really just one compartment, uh, and and there are different aspects of our lives that make up really what we're doing. It and it all affects every everything else. Man, that's good. 
It's powerful, man. Thank you, Bill. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> like, that's what the podcast is about right there. And, like, you just kind of... <laughs> uh, when we... Yeah, when we... When we sat down, was it three months ago, and really thought and prayed through the vision and the purpose of the podcast, we talked about those compartments and essentially how, as men and as believers, we have established and created these different apartments. But it's... If you look at the Bible, it's it's just one compartment, like you said, and we have to learn how to integrate our entire life through and on the foundation of the following Jesus. Right. In, in fact, uh, as I say, I thought we moved to Stuttgart, Arkansas, to work at Rice and Foods. Uh, we hadn't been there long until I was invited to uh, teach a young adult uh, Sunday school class. And uh, I, the, the, the model was you sit with guys in like a half circle and you sit at a table and you open the Bible and you teach. That's not what I was. Uh, I, I, I had two, two uh, teachers that I emulated and they were what I call stand-up teachers. And they would roam and they, they would use object lessons and that's how I learn is when I see something visually, it really it really sticks with me. And so I started teaching this Sunday school class. I had some communication skills, but I'd never really done that before, especially with, at that time, a peer group. Because uh, these guys were my same stage of life, yeah. which is a little, a little different. Uh, but as I started doing that, I, uh, I, I, I would have them call and say, can you come and help us work through a, a financial problem or a relationship problem? Uh, I ended up being there when their babies were born. And, and uh, I was very, very fortunate to have a pastor who called me in one day and he said, do you know what you are? Well, I thought I did. <laughs> But he said, you're a pastor. You're, you're pastoring young adults. And, uh, and he, he told me what that meant. And, and I, I said, I, I think I understand. And I was so fortunate because he was not threatened by that. In fact, he, he fostered that in me. And he helped me understand what to do, and and uh, in fact, he taught me the Greek alphabet uh, in the Mallard Restaurant in Stuttgart, Arkansas. That's so neat. Uh, and I'll I'll always be grateful for Jerry because uh, instead of saying stay in your lane, he said, "Let me help give you the tools mm. to do what you were meant to do." See, I I thought we were going to Stuttgart to. Uh, work at Riceland Foods. What I discovered was we were going to Stuttgart to teach Sunday school and, and to understand what it meant to be a, um, a pastor teacher with young adults. I thought in my history, the, the pastor was the guy that stood up on the platform in front of the, the congregation in our little church on, on Sundays, which is true but Jerry helped me understand then uh, I was actually a bivocational pastor I I earned 
You were a marketplace missionary. I was a marketplace missionary. Oh, gee. Didn't even know what it was. (laughs) That's right. Uh, But uh, through the week, I was working at Riceland Foods, doing what I was supposed to do there, following God's plan vocationally there, earning income to support our family. Uh, And then nights and weekends, I'm a bivocational pastor teaching young adults. Uh, and, and so I started studying what does it mean to be a, to be a, a pastor? What does it mean to be bivocational? Uh, when I would be on an airplane, somebody would ask what I do, and my first thought was to say, well, I'm a pastor. <laughs> no, wait a minute. I, I, I work in in marketing or for a rice company or government affairs but it's all one it's all one thing and and that was something that was a lot of fun for me because i i did my career morphed from doing communication and marketing work into government affairs Mm. uh and so i spent a lot of time uh going going to washington dc uh, talking about agriculture policy, trade policy, transportation policy, and, and working in this area of public affairs, uh, which it's it's said that it's it's the the twenty year olds that are running the government, yeah, <laughs> which they're doing a lot of the grunt work, and and so I realized I'm I'm going to be their buddy, I'm going to be their best friend, and be a resource for them. Uh, so if you have a question uh, that, that, that you need an answer to you about, about rice or soybeans or marketing or trade or whatever, give me a call and we'll find, we'll find an answer. Uh, and in doing that, built relationship that, uh, that then led into some very interesting spiritual discussions. It was like one day I got a call from a, a staffer in Washington and, uh, and in fact, his, his, the senator he worked for uh, was on the agriculture committee. So we worked on ag issues all the time. And he said, uh, I need to talk to you about something. I said, sure. And he said, I'm thinking about getting married. <laughs> and so we had a 30-minute discussion about this, this young guy uh, who, who's thinking about getting married and what, what should he, you know, how should he think about that and how should he plan for that? Totally unrelated to our relationship vocationally. But uh, it, it provides opportunities. If you'll just keep your eyes open and be aware of it. Uh, I, like I said, I, I thought I was there on, on mission just to do a, a job mm. with Riceland Foods. And what I understood was it's connected to, to the, the spiritual mission as, as well. And absolutely... I, I was sent on mission to uh, to to Stuttgart to to work at Riceland, but also to uh, to be a pastor to these young adults. I think there's there's so many good things we can take away from from what Bill just said, and even just you know defining the two words marketplace missionary. How how would you define that in one sentence to to us and then to the audience as well? You you pretty much defined it, you know, for the last, you know, five or six minutes. But give us like just a one gut punch of like this is what I think when it comes to marketplace missionaries. I I would say, wherever he has you, 
in whatever job, in whatever locale, to understand you're not there just to make money. You're not there just to have a family. You're not there just to have a house and income, have a dog. That's, you're, you're where you are to reflect his image. That's why, that's what he says in Genesis. He, he's making us in his image. We're, we're to be a mirror that when people look at us, they see what, what God has, is doing and, and is working through us. Uh, it's just like uh, if, if you remember Saddam Hussein, when, when uh, he uh, was taken out of power, they pulled down all the statues. That's right. That, the, the statues of Saddam, he, he put up in all the, the area that he ruled so that people would know who was in charge. It's the same thing that the Roman government did uh, thousands of years prior. Uh, the, the Caesar would, would set up his image uh, so that he would know, people would know who's in charge. God says we're to be his image, not that we're in charge, but that he's in charge. Uh, and, and so we're, we're to reflect his image uh, in our work, uh, in, in uh, our, our families, uh, in all aspects of our lives. That, what, that still was really a good. very short answer. No, that's good. <laughs> no, but it was the right answer. Like, <laughs> oh, man, that's just so yeah. good. Yeah. So, uh, hey, Bill, thank you for uh, really sharing this knowledge. You know, I'm just sitting here, like, almost in awe, like, Man, this knowledge is just, I'm sure you've told me some of this before, but it's like just hearing it again right here, like just really thankful. And even like, you know, I feel like you've been mentoring me for a year and a half now. And it's like, I feel way ahead of the curve just spending time with you. And I'm really eager to get this out to the audience as well. It seems longer than a year and a half. Yes, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, with all the information you've been giving me over the year and a half, it definitely feels longer. It feels like a lifetime. But uh, Bill, before we conclude, I do want you to kind of speak about you know, you retired from Iceland as a senior vice president, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of talk to us just as we conclude this, this episode with you, kind of what do you do now? What does it look like? And then what are some of the issues you see in some of the men you coach today? And I know it's a fully loaded question, but... Yeah. Well, I, uh, I decided to retire uh, early. Uh, and so I retired at about 61 or about 62 years old um, because there was something else I wanted to do. Uh, for one thing, uh, when, you're, when you're a senior VP of a now billion-dollar company, uh, it's there uh, 24-7, 365. Uh, there's just a tremendous responsibility that you feel. And so I had, I had always uh, planned on retiring uh, from Riceland and, uh, and really thought I would go back to East Tennessee and pastor a, a little Baptist church that couldn't afford a real preacher, <laughs> as I used to say. Uh, but uh, in, instead, uh, the Lord made it very, very clear that we were coming to, uh, to West Little Rock. Uh, my thought was, why should we go there? They've got everything in West Little Rock. Uh, but uh, I did this thing at 
at age 61, this crazy thing of uh, entering seminary at Dallas Theological Seminary and uh, doing core courses, but also focusing on counseling um, and, and realize that uh, as men, um, we really need a perspective on why we are here and what, what he has for us to do. And so that's, that, that was the, the thought I had in working with young men. Really didn't understand how it was all going to fit together. But I uh, ended up taking a, uh, uh, a counseling course. I uh, went down to the Houston campus and uh, took a, a, a course from, uh, from just my favorite um, counseling professor called uh, Christian Coaching. And uh, Christian Coaching uh, really is focused on uh, helping a man go from where he is to where he wants to be. Or in case of the believer from where he is to where God wants him to be and doing those things God wants him to do. Uh, and, and so for, for many of the, the guys that I meet with, they, they grew up like I did, uh, maybe focused on going, going to college or, or getting some type of skill set so they could have a job, but really focused more on work and, and not understanding that uh, work matters to God very much. It's an important aspect of our lives, but there are other important aspects of our lives too. And so we're really focused on all of life, career as well as uh, all, all aspects of life. Again, helping men become all the man God created them to be. Um, and, and the really fun part of my job is uh, having the opportunity to assess a man and then tell him what I see. And generally, uh, I can see more into the man of how God has made him than many times than he can see or that he has ever heard before. Mm. And it is fun watching that man come alive and say, yeah, I, I, I get it. So uh, uh, that's, that's what I'm doing now. Uh, Navigation Strategies was Janice's name for what I did. Uh, because she said you uh, you help guys develop strategies to navigate life, and that's exactly it. I love that. I love that. And uh, we're gonna again, like I mentioned in the previous episode, we're gonna add a link to Bill's website as well. And so, if you want to get connected with Bill, please jump on the website, uh, reach out to him via email, and then both Kai and I, we spend a lot of time with Bill just getting wisdom and insight on how to navigate life, work, family. And so, Bill, thank you so much. This has been incredible. And uh, I'm so excited to, uh, to just share this with, with the audience because it's been so just insightful and valuable for me as well as an individual. And Kai, I know for you as well, man. Yeah, I just absolutely love it. Like, I'm, I'm ready for this to be out, like Donnie's saying. <laughs> like, I know it's not going to come out for another few weeks, but it's like, man, this is... That, like, this is just what, especially, like, young men, like, what I wish I knew coming right out of school. Yeah, you know. I wish I wished I had known it, too. I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, for some reason, uh, we struggle passing on this type of information, uh, really inspiration to, uh, to kids. Uh, it, it's, 
we, we get burdened down by work and all the, all the busyness of life. Uh, and so it, it becomes not intentional. And when things aren't intentional, they just end up not getting done. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, that's really what I hope to do. I don't know how long I have on earth. I, as I say, I've got, a, I, I think I got about 25 years <laughs> of stuff left to do. And if the Lord thinks I got that long, we're, we're right in sync. But, uh, but I, I also uh, very much believe that if, if you're breathing, uh, the Lord has work for you to do. Mm -hmm. And when your work's done, you'll quit breathing. And, and so that's, that's what we're really focused on is, is helping stand in the gap so that guys understand how God has made them and what he has made them for. And I just hope I haven't told you guys more than you want to know. <laughs> uh, definitely, uh, I feel like I can sit here forever. I know we got to go, but definitely we'll try to do like some pop-up episodes more like specific around certain things that men struggle with with Bill. So thank y'all audience for listening, you know, and uh, we'll see y'all again next week. Awesome.